Thank you, Pastor Nate, for that introduction. I like to tell people I'm just a dude. I'm just a dude. So good morning. It is a pleasure to be here this morning. Thankful for what I feel in this place. How about you? Are you thankful you feel the power of the Holy Ghost in this service this morning? The anointing of God falling in this place this morning. God has done some mighty things this week. It's been a busy, last week and this week's a busy two weeks for the Weatherly family. So not only has God done some mighty things this week at church camp, my son Cash got the Holy Ghost at church camp. Not only did Cash get the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues at church camp, he got to preach at church camp. Everybody chanting his name, Cash, 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 Cash. And then he used his Tim Gaddy skills from his ASK, ask, seek, and knock. Not only did our son get the Holy Ghost, our grandson Andrew, first time at church camp, Andrew got the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. Meanwhile, my wife and I were up at Urshan and Wentzville doing some guest lecturing for Dr. Norris. So we're ministering off somewhere, and the Holy Ghost is ministering off the other place. And, and not to be outdone by any of that, this week we got big things going on in the Weatherly household and the, the Weatherly family at large. Our son Chase is graduating from the Arkansas State Police Training. And no one is more excited than his precious wife so that she can have him Monday through Friday, not just Friday, Saturday, and part of Sunday. So we are thankful for all that God is doing at New Life Church and in the Weatherly family in particular because I'm a Weatherly, so I get to say all that. So honored, I want to give honor to uh, our pastor and district superintendent, Brother Gaddy. He and Sister Gaddy are ministering in Texas this morning, the ministry of Texas. Texas is like a whole other country. We used to say we wanted to move to Texas, kind of joke like that, good economy, pro-guns, you know, all that kind of stuff. Then I had to make a couple trips to San Antonio, see some, my Air Force kid graduate, and that last trip to his graduation tore the front end of my truck up. Those San Antonio roads ruined the, uh, bearings in my Tahoe so after replacing those wheel bearings I promised myself I would never drive to San Antonio ever again and right around that time Caleb our son that's in the army he was stationed in Germany and he called and he said dad I got my orders I'm coming back home guess where they're moving me to San Antonio But we want to pray for the Gaddies as they minister in Texas. Pray for them for their safe travels. And while I am uh, giving props to people, I want to give props to a minister in this church. Uh, a minister that I believe is probably one of the most influential ministers in the Arkansas district. In the past 15 years, there's probably few, if any, ministers who have sat in front of the Arkansas board for licensing that have not been influenced by the ministry of Larry Jimnich. 
whether directly through this Purpose Institute campus or indirectly through the satellite campus. That's good. Let's give him an appreciation. Show Brother Jim this our appreciation. And I hope that embarrassed him and brought a tear to his eye because that was my intent. All right. Thank you for playing. This morning I want to take my text from the Old Testament book of Song of Solomon. Now the Song of Solomon is one of those books kind of like Revelation. When people hear the title of the book, they just cringe because they don't understand the book. So too often, the Song of Solomon is not a part of our personal canon within the canon, so to speak, meaning we just read it, we just kind of keep on going. And while scholars and commentators may disagree on the theological implication of the Song of Solomon, the great majority are in agreement that the song denotes a type of love story narrative. Boy, if my friend and Old Testament professor, Dr. Paris, ever watches this, he can pat himself on the back for me ever bringing up biblical narrative in a sermon. So the Song of Solomon is like a dialogue of a play or a narrative with various characters interacting with one another. The thing is, though, they don't have the names separated so you know whose dialogue is which. So it'd be kind of like if you were reading the, the script for one of our dinner theaters, you'd have to look at the context to realize when Slim is talking or when Skeeter is talking. So if you have a modern translation or a study Bible, you might have the headings over the verses explaining which characters are speaking at various times. But I want to take my text from the very beginning of the Song of Solomon, the Song of Songs. Chapter 1, reading verses 1 through 3. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, beginning of verse 1. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. Song of Songs, that's a Hebrew way of saying, this is the best song of all. So the Song of Songs, which is Solomon. Now next we have the young Shulamite woman. She's the female lead in the story. She says, let him kiss me with the kiss of his mouth. Boy, it's getting kind of romantic in here. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine because of the savor of thy good ointments. Thy name is an ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. Thy good ointments, thy name is an ointment poured forth. And for a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you from this thought. It's got his name on it. It's got his name on it. So in our text, this phrase, thy name is an ointment or as an ointment, it forms a paronymasia. This is a literary type of pun where an author employs words that sound the same, but they have a different meaning. The word ointment in Hebrew is the word shemane. And the word name in Hebrew is shame. 
So this lyrical device of shemaine and shame represents a play on words, so to speak. And it also appears in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1, that says, A good name is better than precious ointment. So the Shulamite woman professes her love by saying, Your name is ointment poured forth. But what is it about a name? Speaking of romance stories like the Song of Solomon, William Shakespeare asked that very same question. What is it about a name? Shakespeare, in his play Romeo and Juliet, Act 2, Scene 2 of the play, the line is said by Juliet in reference to Romeo's house name Montague, where she says, What is in a name? That which we call a rose by any other word would smell as sweet. Now the point that Shakespeare was making in the play is that a person or a thing may not necessarily be defined by their name. If we call a rose a skunk, it's not going to smell any different than vice versa. And while that may all sound good in his play and on paper, that's just not the way things operate in the real world and especially in the Bible. A name has meaning. A name has purpose, especially in the Bible. When you were born, your parents probably flipped through one of those baby name books, and they probably know what your name means, but they probably didn't name you because of what that name means. This is not, however, the case in the Bible. Hastings Bible Dictionary declares, from the earliest of time, the name given to a child was supposed to indicate some characteristic of the person, of the circumstance, trivial or monumentous, connected with his or her birth of the hopes, the beliefs, or the feelings of the parents. For example, God told Sarah and Abraham to name their child Isaac, which means laughter, because they had laughed at God's promise to give them a son. So a name has meaning and a name has purpose, and more importantly, having a name on something is important. You see, when something has your name on it, it's yours. You own it. It belongs to you. It's your possession. You think about children who are playing outside. They, they come in the house. They've been outside. They're, they're all hot and they're sweaty. And they come in the house and the first thing they see is a bottle of water. Somebody picks it up they start drinking that bottle of water other kid comes in and says hey that's mine so what do the other kids say doesn't have your name on it every parent in here that just sent your your children to kids camp last week you know firsthand the importance of putting your kids name on their belongings on everything your kids probably have their names on the bottom of their socks. And so when you've got your name on something, everybody knows it's yours. When you've got your name on something, everybody knows it belongs to you. When you've got your name on something, everybody knows you have authority over that which your name is on. Everybody who knows me and knows my family knows that that beautiful woman and those three children around her, around her on that second row, they belong to me. You know why? Because they've got my name 
on them. And all of this is based upon the biblical concept that when a person's name was pronounced or invoked over a person or place, it denotes ownership. It denotes belonging to that person named. It has their name on it. For example, in Genesis 48, 16, when Jacob adopted his grandsons Ephraim and Manasseh, he instructed, bless the lads and let my name be named upon them. In 2 Samuel 12, 28, when the king's army won the battle against a city, they called that city by the king's name. The city now had his name on it. He owned it. In the same way, in the Old Testament, Israel represented God's peculiar people upon whom the name of the Lord had been called. Deuteronomy 28.10 says, And all the people of the earth shall see that thou art called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. Now, 2 Chronicles 7.14 is a very popular passage when we talk about repentance. And the literal translation of the original Hebrew is this. If my people upon whom my name is called will humble themselves and pray, God's people have got his name called upon them. We belong to him because it's got his name on it. In Song of Solomon 1 and 3, the young bride-to-be's Proclamation of your name is as ointment poured forth probably illustrates her desire to belong to the bridegroom by taking on his name. And now while some may consider a bride being called by her husband's name a more Western culture, the practice actually finds its, its roots in ancient Judaism. In Isaiah 4 and 1, Isaiah prophesied of a time of calamity where because so many men had perished in war, seven women would say to one man that they would supply their own physical and material needs if he would simply take away their approach of be, the reproach of being unwedded by calling his name upon them. Hence, in Song of Songs, the bride portrays her lover's name as a precious oil that is poured out over her. Her lover's name is called upon her in marriage and it values is far greater than the most expensive oils or ointments your name is more precious than ointment poured forth well let me tell you this morning about a name that is more precious than all the ointments a name that is precious above, above all riches above all glories a name that is more precious than my name a name that is more precious than your name. And that is the name of Jesus. Apostle Paul declared in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth, things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Somebody says, Brother Weatherly, why do you Pentecostals get so excited over the name of Jesus? Well, let me show you from the Bible 
why we get excited about the name of Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 12 tells us, But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on what? Believe on his name. John chapter 3 verse 18 says, He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already because he's not believed in what? The name of the only begotten Son of God. John 20, 31 says, These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God of the believing. You might have life through what? His name. That's why we're so excited about the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. To him gave all the prophets witness that through what? Through his name they might receive, he that believes might receive the remission of sins. Acts chapter 15, verse 14. Simon has declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for what? His name. Name, it's got his name on it. Everything and everyone that has the name of Jesus upon them belongs to Jesus. Jesus said in Mark 9, 37, whoever receives one of such children in my name receives me. Why? Because it's got his name on it. So for those of you who like three-point sermons, I want to show you three areas of your life that has got Jesus' name all over it. And you know what? When it's got his name on it, he owns it. It belongs to him. And he can give it to you. And he can commission it to you to do with it what he has authorized you to do. I got a debit card in my wallet. It's got my name on it. I can give it to one of my children, and I have authorized them to use it because it's got my name on it. And so whatever the name of Jesus is on, he owns it. And when he gives it to us, he's authorized us to use it. So three areas in your life that's got the name of Jesus on it. Number one, deliverance from demonic forces. It's got his name on it. And Luke chapter 10 Jesus appointed 70 other disciples besides the 12 apostles. He appointed 70 others to go out, preach the gospel. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, the 70 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us through your name. Deliverance has got his name on it. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, Jesus said, And these signs shall follow them that believe. Look at your neighbor on your right and say, that's you. Look at your neighbor on your left and say, that's me. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. There's not a demonic force on this planet that has any power over the name of Jesus. In Acts chapter 16... Verses 16 through 18, Apostle Paul came across a young lady possessed with a spirit of divination. She'd made a lot of profit through fortune-telling. Y'all thought that stuff was 20th century? It's not. Horoscopes, zodiac, tarot cards, all of that stuff. She made a, a lot of money on it. Now, she thought she was going to be real slick, 
and she thought she was going to try to win the Christian crowd. And she followed after Paul and his group. And she would cry out, These men are the servants of the Most High God. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out in that same hour. Deliverance over alcoholism. It's got his name on it. Deliverance over pornography. It's got his name on it. Deliverance over substance abuse. It's got his name on it. Deliverance over depression and anxiety. It's got his name on it. I'm telling you this morning, if you're bound by depression, if you're bound by anxiety, if you're bound by substance abuse, if you're bound by pornography, if you're bound by alcoholism, if you're bound by demonic forces, 10,000 demons couldn't keep you from getting to Jesus if you want to get to Jesus. Because deliverance from demonic forces, it's got his name on it. Give the Lord some praise. Number two. Number two, deliverance from sickness and disease. It's got his name on it. Deliverance over disease. Healing. It's got his name on it. It belongs to Jesus. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John were on their way to the temple for prayer meeting. There was a certain lame man at the gate of the temple. He was asking for money. And when Peter and John saw him, they said, hey, look over here. Of course, he thought he was going to get some money in the bag, but those guys were apostolic preachers. They said, silver and gold, we don't have any. He was looking for a handout, but Peter had a real handout. He said, such as I have, give I unto thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And Peter gave him that Holy Ghost handout when he took him by the right hand. And immediately the man's ankle bones were healed. And he went off walking and leaping and praising God. And when the chief priests and the elders came and they asked about it, they asked Peter and John in, in Acts chapter 5 verse 7, they said, by what power? Or by what name have you done this? Because deliverance over sickness and disease, it's got his name on it. James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let him pray over him, anointing him with oil. In the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up. If he's committed any sins, they shall be forgiven deliverance over sickness and disease it's got his name on it but I know what some people think the naysayers they're like yeah brother Weatherly that was good back in the Bible days but that stuff don't happen today listen I don't have time to get into all the details but I seen it with my own two eyes I seen a man who had been beaten in his face. And when I saw him, his face was swollen, swollen so shut, he couldn't peel his eyelids apart. His, his cheekbone had been crushed. The doctor said he would have to have reconstructive surgery. They said that he'd be blind 
in that eye. But I was there. I saw it with my own two eyeballs when they laid hands on him and they anointed him with oil and the cheekbone came back and the swelling went out and he began to scream, I can see, I can see, I can see because deliverance over sickness and diseases, it's got his name on it. I've got a son sitting right there. The first seven minutes of his life, he didn't breathe. And we travailed and we called on the name of Jesus and breath entered his body and he began to cry and the power of the Holy Ghost dropped in that room and we, be, we all began to speak in tongues. God's got his name on it. Somebody said, Brother, Brother Welly, seven minutes, big deal. Okay, come on up here. Hold your breath for seven minutes. Let's see what happens. And if seven minutes isn't long enough for you, I know a family 15 miles away from here. See, I'm not telling you about stuff that only happens in Ethiopia. I'm not telling you about stuff that only happens in Brazil. I'm telling you about something that happens right here in central Arkansas. I know a family 15 miles from here whose son was born dead. D-E-A-D, dead. No breath, no heartbeat, and he was dead for over an hour until the power of God stepped in and the power of the name of Jesus raised that baby from the dead. Where is he now, Brother Weatherly? He's in his 20s and he's graduated from college because deliverance from sin and deliverance from sickness, it's got his name on it. I could go all day, but I want you to watch this. If you've ever seen somebody delivered from demonic forces by the power and name of Jesus, I want you to stand to your feet. If you've ever seen someone instantaneously delivered from cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, by the power and name of Jesus, I want you to stand to your feet. If you've ever seen or know of someone healed of cancer, healed of sickness, the fever instantly went away, healed of some kind of disease, I want you to stand to your feet. Now look around at this testimony of all of those who have witnessed or experienced the delivering power of the name of Jesus. That's why the Hebrew writer said, we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Finally, number three, deliverance from sin. It's got his name on it. The greatest thing that will bind you is sin. And it's got his name on it. He's got authority. He owns deliverance from sin. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter preached, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name. Brother Weatherly, there's 20 different names. No, there's not. There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus Deliverance from sin, it's got his name on it. Jesus declared in Luke 24, 47, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached how? In his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. 1 John 2, 12 says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you. How? For his name's sake. Deliverance from sin, it's got his name on it. All on it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, Paul goes through this list of all these incredible sins. Drunkenness, 
idolatry, murders, homosexuality, covetousness, all kinds of things. And then in verse 11, at the end of verse 10, he says, none of these things are going to inherit the kingdom of God. But Paul proclaimed in verse 11, he said, and such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God delivers from sin. It's got the name of Jesus all over it, the washing away of sins. It's got his name on it. Sanctification in living, it's got his name on it. Justification from sin, it's got his name on it. That's why we call upon the name of Jesus in repentance. That's why we invoke the name of Jesus in baptism. And that's why people get the Holy Ghost when they're praying and calling upon the name of Jesus. Because deliverance from sin, it's got his name on it. Musicians, you can come. While we stand... I want to do this invitation, the altar call, just a little bit different this morning. I know when an invitation goes out, people get all worried. They get all nervous. They get worried about what people are going to think about them. They see me walk up. Well, if you know this church, we all come up front. So nobody's going to think anything about you. If you stay in your seat, that might be a little odd because everybody else is going to be walking up to the front. So nobody's going to think anything weird about you. But here's what I want you to do. As everybody starts making their way up to the front, if you need deliverance from demonic forces, if you need deliverance from alcoholism, if you need deliverance from addictions of any kind, depression, stress, whatever it is, I want you to go to this side of the platform. Jimmy and Miranda Leonard, you and your daughters, I want you all to come over here. I want you all to be the leaders of praying for those who need deliverance over depression or addiction or substance abuse. If you need healing in your body, if you need deliverance from sickness and disease, I want you to go over to this side. John and, and Carolyn, uh, Daryl and Gwen, I want y'all to come over here. I want y'all to be the leaders of the ones praying for healing over, the sea, of, over diseases and sickness. And then right here in the front, I want our, our Nexus leaders, I want the Lumpkins, I want the Ruffs to come up here in the front. If you need salvation, if you need deliverance from sin, if you've never repented of your sins, if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, if you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I want you to make your way right up to this middle. So let's everybody else fall in. Let's make our way to the front. Let's gather around those who's coming up for prayer, those who need deliverance, those who need healing, because I'm telling you this morning, it's got his name on it. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, we got water, we got robes. You don't have to leave here the way you came today in the name of Jesus. Deliverance is yours today because it's got his name on it. God bless you this morning as we pray.